Welcome back to another episode of the Hecklers and Hot Takes podcast. This is your host, Brian Clinton. I'm here today with Colton Rector, and we are recapping week three of the college football season. It was another fantastic weekend, lots of good football, and uh, we've got lots to talk about, so let's just jump right into it. Uh, we had several teams taking on lesser opponents in the top 25 this week. Uh, most teams won by quite a bit, especially when you look at your top five to six teams there. Uh, Georgia rolls over South Carolina 48-7, to covers easily there. Alabama Crimson Tide takes down Louisiana Monroe 63-7. to Ohio State puts 77 up on the board against Toledo. Michigan beats UConn 59 to nothing. Clemson takes down Louisiana Tech 48-20. to Oklahoma Sooners go into Lincoln and take down Nebraska 49-14. USC wins 45-17 over Fresno State. Oklahoma State takes down Arkansas Pine Bluff 63-7. Number nine, Kentucky takes down Youngstown State 31-0. And rounding out your top ten, Arkansas comes back against Missouri State in the second half and wins that game 38-27. Colton, anything on those top ten teams really stick out to you? Um, mainly just uh, just Clemson there, you know, struggling a little bit on defense against a, a Law Tech team that you would think that a team like Clemson would blow out, um, similarly to how the rest of the top 10 did. And then, uh, you know, that last game you mentioned there, um, you know, struggling there with Missouri State, it's, that really surprised, I think, a lot of people. Um, and that had that had Arkansas and the, the fighting Sam Pittmans kind of slide down that top 10 list for me a little bit. Um, not because, you know, obviously, they, they lost, but just – I had I had them pegs being a much better, much more well-rounded team than that. Now, granted, the coach for Missouri State is you know, former former Arkansas head coach, and you know is no slouch by any means, but um, still, just kind of shocking there. I'm going to cheat a little bit and, and say and and go down one more ranked team to Michigan State, Washington, for what really surprised yes. me. I I, I yes. could not foresee the Huskies doing what they did to Michigan State, but they had an 11-point victory at home and are now sitting at 3-0. I expect them to uh, really be a, a test uh, for, for other teams in the Pac-12, like USC or Utah, kind of what we were expecting them to be. I think Washington has been impressed with this point in the season. Uh, Washington definitely is. Sorry, go ahead. No, you're good. Go ahead. Washington definitely surprised me, um, them as well as Oregon. I had I – had, Washington, or I had, excuse me, I had Michigan State winning big, and I had BYU winning, not necessarily big, but I had them winning that game handily as well, and both of those teams very much surprised me. Yeah, Oregon was impressive. I think that either A, they have taken what happened in week one against Georgia and and turned things around, or Georgia is just really, really good. So it could be a combination. I'm going to go with a little bit of both, yeah. Yeah, I think so too. And Big 12 action this week. We had uh, we had a couple of surprising um, couple of surprising outcomes, but but mostly chalk. As we mentioned earlier, Oklahoma takes down Nebraska, and Oklahoma State took down Arkansas Pine Bluff with relative ease. Um, Texas Tech goes on the road to NC State and gets doubled up essentially, losing twenty seven to fourteen in that game. Um, Donovan White or Donovan Smith rather throws a very costly pick six in that game and and ends up uh, sending the Wolfpack home with a win while Texas Tech comes back to Lubbock and uh, gets set to host the Texas Longhorns this week. So it should be an interesting game there. 
Baylor handles Texas State 42-7. to uh, Still some concerns there for the passing game for Baylor. Um, I haven't seen what I what I wanted to see from Shapin to this point, so it'll be interesting to see uh, how he is able to handle Ames this week. Uh, should be an interesting game there. Texas takes down UTSA. It was tied 17 all at halftime, but it looks like the Longhorns may have put to rest the second-half demons that they've dealt with under Steve Sarkeesian to this point. They come out and outscore the Roadrunners 24-3 in the second half and pull away in that game. Bijan Robinson highlights that game, a 78-yard touchdown run, his longest, uh, the longest rush of, of the season for him. West Virginia <clears throat> comes out and finally gets a W on the board. Uh, they take down Ta- Towson 65-7. to They will go to Blacksburg to take on Virginia Tech this week. Iowa State, as I mentioned earlier, will take on Baylor. They took down the Ohio Bobcats. Go Bobcats! 43-10. to uh, The Kansas State Wildcats, probably the most surprising um, outcome of the week, for me at least, they lose to Tulane at home. The Green Wave take home a W, 17-10 over the Wildcats. Very, very concerning for me on that game, and we'll talk about that in just a bit. Um, Kansas, the final game of the week. Kansas fighting Jayhawks are 3-0. and They put 48 up on the board against a good Houston team. They went 48-30 to in that game. Colton, the Kansas teams, let's start with Kansas State. What happened? That was another game that we left off our surprising list from, you know, just a few minutes ago from this past weekend. Um, everyone has had people in other countries even has had Kansas state as their dark horse playoff, you know, fringe team or big 12 champion team, you know, what have you. And, and they, they looked the part up until this last week. And I honestly think that, you know, similar to what the Green Wave did to Oklahoma last year, they came ready to play. This was this was that game that they were going to, you know, sell the farm to win this game if they had to. And they they brought things that Kansas State wasn't prepared for and apparently couldn't adjust for. Um, and Kansas State could not get the ball going through the air. They shut Deuce Vaughn down. It was just a total, complete, you know, hit the red button shutdown on Kansas State this weekend by Tulane. It was, it was you know, Kudos to Tulane. They played a hell of a game, and they they won it by seven. But uh, Kansas State's going to have to figure out how to adjust, um, and I think a lot of people are going to be trying to figure out um, if this is still that team that they thought it was. But they're obviously Kansas State's going to play play their hearts out in Norman this weekend. I I think what you have to do with this game, if you're really going to break it down, if you look at Adrian Martinez's stat line, he goes twenty one for thirty one for one fifty. And a touchdown, and you know, to the naked eye, that looks that looks good. That looks okay. Um, if you dive into it a little deeper, his average completion was only four point eight yards. Um, his QBR was forty one point three in this game. He struggles to really push the ball down the field in this offense, and I don't know if it's because offensive coordinator Colin Klein is is telling him, you know turnovers of what have cost you games in the past. We can't do that. And I don't know if, if, you know, that has made him rein things in, but when Adrian Martinez is not a dual threat guy, this Kansas state offense is not reaching its potential. And it showed, uh, I think Tulane really keyed in on Deuce Vaughn. He had 20 carries for 81 yards. It's the first time in 11 tries, I believe, or, or no, sorry, nine tries that he didn't go over a hundred yards on a game. So, 
I'm really, really curious to see what Kansas State does this week. Obviously, like you said, um, it's, coming into it, Norman, it's going to be impressive. It's going to have to be an impressive game for them, but it'll be interesting. I think defensively, just to finish this part up, I think defensively, Kansas State is a very sound defensive unit. I, I don't think there's any struggles there. I mean, looking at the the team stats on on that game against Tulane, Tulane had two turnovers, gave right. Kansas State two turnovers. They were both interceptions. So the defense was doing their job and got got the offense the ball back. But like you said, Adrian Martinez couldn't get the ball going through the air. And obviously when one team knows that, you know, they don't have to play play that secondary very well, they're going to stack the box, and that's what shut Deuce Vaughn down. So it's it's all going to be up to their offense. And I think Brent Venables and squad are going to have are going to have a heyday with that if, if they continue to struggle. When your top receiver has five receptions for 52 yards in a game against Tulane, that's a problem. that's bad. So uh, moving on from Kansas State, let's go to the other side of the state. Kansas Jayhawks, who are in an unfamiliar situation, we'll call it uh, 3-0 for the first time in more than a decade. And they took down – we can't pretend that Houston's not a good team. That team won 12 games last season. absolutely. Houston is a good football team. And they took Texas Tech to the wire uh, last week, losing in overtime. And it, you can't ignore what Kansas is doing under Lance Leipold in, in, in year two. And they have an opportunity to really get this this Jayhawk uh, fan base going with a, a game against Duke coming up this week, in which they are nine-point favorites in that game. I expect for the first time in a long time, I think David Booth Memorial Stadium in Kansas is going to be packed. Absolutely. Um, obviously Kansas's offense is, is what's keeping them going. Uh, I forget their quarterback's name on the top of my head right now. Jalen Daniels, Jalen Daniels. Thank you. Um, I think, I think Kansas's biggest struggle right now is, is their defense, uh, similar to, or opposite of Kansas state actually. Um, because it, I think this is the third game in a row that they've started a game in the whole 14 0, but they've battled out of it, you know? But, I mean, I, in a way, you could say the same thing about Oklahoma. I mean, Oklahoma is almost, in a way, they, they start that first, second, third drive kind of slow. But once they get things figured out offensively, it's, you know, it's all hands on deck. All the cylinders are firing. Kansas is very similar in that in that respect, but they're, ta- they're giving up a little bit more while they're trying to figure that out. But again, when they do get it figured out, I mean, again, they're I think what I think they fell to the number three or four scoring team in the nation this week, and they still put up forty eight points. Um and the fourth quarter of that game was the only quarter that Kansas did not put up two touchdowns. They scored fourteen, 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 and then six. And they won the turnover battle. They are dominating on offense. I mean no one is slowing them down right now on offense. And then it's their defense is going to have to start figuring out how to stop teams or else it's going to be a good old fashioned big 12 shootout with them. Here's how wacky this is with Kansas right now. They've received 23 AP votes to be in the top 25 this week. I believe they currently sit at number 30. If you were to go out that far. So this is just really cool. I mean, I've said this for the last two weeks if Kansas gets to being ranked, I'll start wearing blue around the house. It may not yep. have a Kansas logo on it, but I think this is absolutely awesome. It's really oh, good for fantastic. the Big 12. It's awesome for college football. And uh, you have an undefeated Duke, undefeated Kansas going at it. I, I personally think that should have been game day this week. Oh, 100%. Uh, but, but, you know, I, I obviously don't make those decisions. So, um, 
And, you know, let's, let's just kind of jump into our big 12 power rankings for this week. Um, you went first last week, so I guess I'll start, start yep. this week. Um, number one, I've got Oklahoma. And after we get through with the big 12 power rankings, we'll, we'll speak more about them, but I've got Oklahoma number one. Uh, I think it was very impressive what they did against Nebraska. You know, they should have beat Nebraska badly and they did, um, which is not necessarily something you could say about the Sooners in the, in the last few years. So, um, I, I like Oklahoma at number one right now. At number two, I have Texas. Uh, I think the Longhorns are – they are impressive in the ways that they should be. Uh, I, I think that, that Texas was kind of in a bad spot against UTSA in the first half where, you know, you're, you're down and you're starting running back. You just got finished with an emotional game against Alabama. It's really easy to let that just kind of carry over and you sleepwalk in the first half, but – but whatever Sark said at halftime, clearly it worked for long, for the Longhorns. They come out and dominate the second half, look like the superior team, and and that that puts them at number two for me right now. Oklahoma State's number three. I'm still kind of out on the defense, um, but that offense is really, really good. And I think that if Spencer Sanders can continue doing what he's done to this point, I, I, I think that Oklahoma State is definitely a top three team in the Big 12. Number four, this may surprise some people. I'm going to take the Iowa State Cyclones. Um, I, I really, really like, I really like what Iowa state has done to this point. I think under Matt Campbell, getting the first W against Iowa is a huge deal. Um, I know that Iowa's a bad football team, but I think that it's a huge deal for the confidence and Ames. So I'm going to take Iowa state number four this week. Number five, I've got the Baylor bears. Um, I think getting back on the right track, um, uh, and getting a win against Texas state was big for them this week, but the BYU game and the struggles in the passing game really keep me reserved for Baylor at this point in time. So I, I want to see what they do in Ames this week. I think that's big for them. Number six, the Kansas Jayhawks. I really, really like the Kansas Jayhawks. And I think that they are starting to work their way up into the top, top half of the uh, of the Big 12. And I think that this team is, is definitely capable of going to a bowl. Uh, I definitely expect them to be uh, – 4-0 after this week, and we might see a 4-0 Kansas and a 4-0 Iowa State team play next week, which would be fantastic. Um, number seven, I've got K-State. They fell a long way for me this week. I expected them to come out and take care of business against Tulane. They could not do that. They looked one-dimensional on offense. I, I don't like where Kansas State's sitting right now. They also have a they have an opportunity to make things up this week against Oklahoma, but that's a tough spot for them if, if their passing game continues to struggle. Number eight, I've got TCU. Not for the fact that I think that TCU is the eighth best team in this conference, but simply I haven't seen enough from them at this point. We've played Tarleton State. We've played Colorado. I'm going to see a lot more uh, from TCU this week when they take on SMU. Sonny Dykes in that game on the opposite sideline he was last year, so it should be an interesting one there. Texas Tech, number nine. They got beat up against NC State. They were out physical. Um, they they just looked like half the time that they, they didn't really – Belong in that game. The game was twenty to seven for the longest time, and I think that Texas Tech is uh, is kind of in a spot right now where where they're looking up at the rest of the conference outside of West Virginia, who sits at number ten. Uh, they're one and two. It was a really good one for them against Towson, but they need to go into Blacksburg this week on Thursday and make a statement. They absolutely need to win that game if they are hoping to get to bowl eligibility. And uh, Neil Brown's coaching for his job. I don't know if he's going to be able to keep it regardless. But, uh, you know, they need to go in and get a win and show me something. But for now, I have them at number 10. 
So we're pretty similar on the majority of these. Um, it's kind of that middle section where we differ a little bit. Um, again, Oklahoma at number one, like you said, impressive win um, for what it was at Nebraska. Um, obviously, Oklahoma was the better team. Again, like you said, and we're supposed to win that game, but hell, we were supposed to win that game big last year too, and and you know it came down to the wire. So um, a proven win, statement win for Oklahoma, I think, at Nebraska. Um, again, agree with what you said about Texas. Um, you know, whatever Sark said at halftime, again, they came out and proved that they were the University of Texas Longhorns and they were the better team. Um, they let, you know, a, a not, I wouldn't want to say inferior team, but a, a team that they should not have let hang around, hang around a little bit too long in UTSA, but again, pulled it out in the end. Good on them. Um, number three, Oklahoma state. Um, it's, it's like you said, their defense is, is the questionable, um, is, is that is that part of the team that is questionable for me? They are they are kind of that the last five years of Oklahoma team right now. They are a they are a high powered, high scoring offense with a defense that could be good, but it just it depends on what defense shows up that, that on Saturday as to as to what team they're going to be, what defense they're going to be. So I've got them at three right now. Um, number four, I've got the Kansas Jayhawks. Man, they are. Let's go. Um, they are again. They're they're impressive. They remind me a a lot of you know Oklahoma the last couple of years. I mean, again, they are a high powered offense. They're putting up tons of points, but their defense is struggling. Um, similar to Oklahoma State a little bit. Just I think Oklahoma State has more talent on the defensive line and all around better talent. So there's that ranking. But yeah, Kansas Jayhawks at number four. Um, like you said, I think I think this game against Duke and Lawrence is going to be. Is going to be nuts, or is is it in Lawrence, or is it in? Mm-hmm. Yes. It is in Lawrence. Okay. Yep. And then, so they've got back to back home games, like you said. It could be four and zero against four and zero in Lawrence. Iowa State comes to Lawrence. Do they sell out? Do they sell that game out? Yes, I think they could sell okay. out this game. I, I really do. No, forget Duke. If they're four and zero, does Kansas? <laughs> yes. Does Kansas yes. sell out? I, yes. Okay. No question. Deal. Got it. Okay. Number five, I have Iowa State, and I just I kind of gave that away a little bit there, but Iowa State. Um, playing good ball right now. I don't think they're a great team, but I don't think they're a bad team either. I think they're going to be kind of one of those middle tier, four, five, six ranked in the Big 12 all year, um, depending on, you know, again, kind of bounce the ball situations. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't watched a ton of their games, but again, they, they haven't played a ton of people. The Iowa win, Iowa win was impressive for them, just given that that their track record in that game. But um, again, I, they've they've kind of, Hurt my hurt my image of them a little bit, similar to Kansas State. Um, number five, I have Baylor. Um, again, kind of what I've seen from them has looked good, um, but looking back on the BYU game, seeing you know how they struggled, how Blake Shapen struggled to get the ball downfield, or coach's lack of trust, therefore in in Blake Shapen. Not sure what it is yet. Um, I've got Baylor at number six. Um, so after Baylor, I've got Kansas State. Um, was really really high on Kansas State. Um, coming into the season, kind of like everybody else, uh, but sitting at number seven right now, losing to Tulane at home, um, that that changed things for me a little bit. Seeing their offense struggle the way they did, seeing Deuce Vaughn be able to be, just be shut down for as great as he is at running back, um, and that bothered me a little bit for Kansas State. Um, defense, impeccable. Great defense. Great defensive play. They're doing great on the defensive side of the ball. Like I said, getting the ball back to the offense even twice, uh, but the offense is struggling to do anything with it, and that's a that's a big concern. Um, defense wins championships, though, as as the the saying goes. So we'll see 
see how my opinion of them changes throughout the weeks. Number eight, um, I've got TCU. Like you said, haven't seen anything from them. Um, they're doing good, the three and zero, but they haven't played anybody to warrant being any higher, in my opinion. Kansas State has at least played, you know, an SEC Missouri. They've played a Tulane that took Oklahoma to the wire last year. Um, you know, they've they've played tough teams. Other other team schedules ahead of TCU has been significantly harder. Um, so TCU is sitting at eight. Number nine, I've got Texas Tech. Um, simply because, you know, they, they really struggled against Houston. Kansas beat Houston. Um, and then you've got, um, you know, TCU's got a better record overall. They went in and just looked bad against NC State. They did not look good at all. Quarterback play is a big um, struggle right now with Shuck being out. Um, so just a big question mark kind of on Texas Tech right now and kind of where they sit. And then lastly, I've got West Virginia. Yeah, they won big against Towson, but it was Towson. Who? I mean, come on. Has anyone ever heard of Towson before this game or whenever? After week three, when everyone starts conference games, does does anyone pay attention to Towson anymore? No, doesn't think so. So show me something, West Virginia. Come on. I, I like I like West Virginia. I like what they're doing there. Um, I like what Neil Brown's doing there with the facilities. He's I think he's a great guy, great coach, but he needs to worry less about the facilities right now, more about winning football games. Let the athletic director deal with the facilities. So that's my top 10. Sorry, I went a little long-winded on that, but um, yeah. Let's, let's, let's go ahead and talk about the team that we both know best. Um, okay. We were both in Lincoln this weekend. Uh, we both saw the Sooners take down Nebraska. Um, and this, let's just break it down from the beginning. Um, Oklahoma gets the, gets the ball to start. And they get held. They, I, I think they ran five plays, 12 yards, punt the ball, and and Lincoln's rocking at this point. Yep. They are the fired up. They're ready to go. Then Nebraska goes down and scores a touchdown, the loudest point in the game, bar none, 100%, no, no doubt about it. Extremely loud. It was, it, it, it was like a constant build from the team enters the field they get a stop and then they score. It's like, oh, okay, here we go. This is this is the Oklahoma that we've grown used to. Uh, you know, big games. We kind of we we get down and we're kind of expecting this to become a dogfight at this point. This, you know, we're we're really looking at it. It wasn't a dogfight. After that point, Oklahoma takes over, absolutely dominates the game in every facet. Nebraska scores on its first and last uh, offensive possession in the game. Outside of that, Oklahoma dominated um it's this was a one-sided football game as much as i can remember um oklahoma has four 580 yards of offense ends up getting the defensive coordinator for nebraska fired shortly there after the game and uh, they rack up 312 yards on the on the ground 5.8 yards of rush there who stuck out to you in this game if you had one player in this game that you would hold above everybody else who is it I'm going to give you two, and I'm going to give you one offense, one defense. Um, okay. For me, offensively, it was Eric Gray, 100%. Okay. I think I think Eric Gray, he had the majority of the touches. I think he did the most when he had the ball. He, very elusive. Um, even, I think, just embarrassed some kid when he didn't have to. Just absolutely planted a foot <laughs> and broke this poor kid's ankles. And poor guy has a family. I mean, like I don't think Eric had to do that to him, but um, – just destroyed it. I think Eric Gray was again leading rusher. I think he just. I think he did great. Um, 
Let's see. Defensively, I'm going to have to say Jaron Kanick. Um, Kanick came in for White whenever White was rejected for targeting. Um, very bad, egregious targeting. I don't. I say egregious. It, I don't think it was intentional, but it was a bad targeting. It was a good call as far as you know. That was that was the correct call. But Jaron Kanick comes in, true freshman, and was ended up being the leading tackler on the team. Hadn't played. Hadn't played or started a game. This is a big environment. 90,000 people screaming and yelling, like you said. Kid comes in and balls out. I mean, of course he made mistakes, but hell, he's a true freshman. And, and I mean, what do you expect? But for a true freshman to come in and do that, I cannot wait to see what this kid's going to do. I mean, forget when he's a junior or senior. I can't wait to see what he's going to do next year with a full offseason under Schmitty and Venables. It's going to be insane what this kid's going to be able to do. He's starting next year 100%. I just just for the sake of of I guess arguments, not really an argument. I am going to try and go with two different guys offensively. Um, I think I'm going to go with with Jalil Farouk. Um, there were several times Dylan Gabriel missed um, high or low, or or maybe a little far on some throws, and a couple yep. of those were to Farouk. Had he been able to connect? Farouk would have had a much bigger day. He only ends Absolutely. with three, three receptions for 58 yards behind Marvin Mims only there. Uh, he does have a score, which put Oklahoma up 14-7, and they went on you know, to build on that lead from there. But I really like how many times I saw Levy try to isolate Farouk there on the end with a corner you know, outside the numbers. Um, really try to stack the box with enough personnel to keep safeties inside and let Farouk be one-on-one outside. I think that kind of speaks to the – athlete he is i think he is probably going to be in marvin mims shadow this season for obvious reasons i think mims is your feature guy in that offense but farouk is a guy that i could really see coming on strong here down the stretch for oklahoma and giving them a a, a true wide receiver too so i'll go with him there on offense and then on defense i think i'm going to have to give it to ethan downs uh downs had a really really good game he you know the first drive he 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 kind of looked out of sorts uh, in his first uh time out on the field there but I think once he settled in, he was really impressive. He records a sack, two tackles for loss. Uh, he kind of seemed to be around the football there quite a bit. And I really like what I saw out of out of the sophomore there. I think he's going to end up being a staple defensively for the Sooners. Um, really somebody that you can trust down the stretch and, and, and somebody that is going to end up being a force on the edge for Oklahoma. So um, just kind of a parting thought here. What's one thing – what is one thing in the game that – really stuck out to you? Um, I'm going to say kind of our Oklahoma's resolve in the first quarter. Um, again, we we came out, we got punched in the mouth, like you said. We we got the ball to start, ran six plays, and punted. Not exactly what we were hoping for in that hostile crowd. We were hoping to be able to just come out and shut them right up, you know, right off the bat. Didn't happen. Um which they were loud about stopping us, like you said, and then came down, scored on their opening drive, got louder, and then we went down and we had, uh, what was it, uh, DG had a 66 or 68-yard mm-hmm. scramble for our first and opening touchdown, uh, and that kind of started quieting them down. But it was that resolve. It was being able to, being able to say, hey, calm down. Yes, it's 90,000 people. Yes, they're passionate. Yes, they're loud. But we had to punt. We gave up a score. Now let's go out and play Oklahoma football. The first two drives were out of the way, and it was it was game on from there. Um, 
I don't, I don't, we, we had to punt our next drive. We scored and then we had to punt our next drive, but we didn't have a non-scoring drive for like the next four drives after that. So it was just, I think that initial, the ability to be punched in the mouth and just keep playing to be able to, the ability to be punched in the mouth and just, you know, keep on trucking and not really act phased by it, not let it get you down initially and just be able to play through that, I think was the biggest takeaway for me for the Sooners. For Nebraska, I think they have a lot of talent on that team. Um, it's just going to be a matter of right now getting a coaching staff that is just as passionate about Nebraska football as what they are, what their fan base is, and putting all that talent to use and in the right places. For me, I'm just going to jump in and say Dylan Gabriel didn't have a great day. Nope. But – his QBR was still 92.8. Yep. He completed just around 60% of his passes. He had two touchdowns. And Oklahoma still scored 50 points, 49 yep. points, but they scored half a hundred. And I think that really just speaks to the amount of weapons that this team has offensively. I think that we've kind of seen them come on with the you know, through the weeks, you've kind of seen them really grow into the system that Levy's built. And I really do think that. When you get to games five, six, seven, eight, they really start taking some strides, and this offense looks dangerous. When they get into a rhythm, you and I both saw it. As soon as they get into a rhythm, they get that first first down. Right, it's off to the races. I mean, these guys yep. really can explode quickly. So that was one thing about Oklahoma that stuck out to me. And, and, and for Nebraska, I think that they really they really lack the guys in the trenches to be elite. And I think that's what made Nebraska who they were in the 90s and then the 80s and, and even before that was they just had guys that could maul you up and up and down. Big old corn-fed boys. Yes, they re- and, and they just lack that right now. And I, and I think that getting a guy that will build a program and really build this sense of not, not that Nebraska feels entitled, but a sense of blue-collar work ethic, I think they need yep. that again. That's what made Nebraska good. And, and just a note on them. I'm going to come out and say that they're Nebra- that, that the Nebraska fan base was awesome. I had several oh, guys absolutely. shake my hand, tell me they were yep. glad that I was here, you know, wishing me safe travels after the after the loss, and it it, just, it was awesome. I really really yeah. enjoyed that. It, it, I hate it that this game isn't played more often than it is. That really that that stuck with me. Um, yeah, we had we both had people. You know, we were asking, hey, you know, where's good places to go eat? You know, how do you get here, there, you know, everywhere? And they were more than happy just to help out, even though they were, you know, getting the crap kicked out of them. And and typically that is a, again, that's a very passionate fan base that, you know, when you're getting the crap kicked out of you, they're they're naturally going to be upset and not want to talk to the opposing fans. So right. great fan base, um, super nice, pretty much all of them. Obviously they had a couple here and there like Oklahoma and everybody else does, but great fan base, awesome stadium. Um. Can't wait to go back. And what is it? I think 2029? 2030. 2030. 2030 is the next one? Yeah. Okay. We, we, so they, come, they come to Norman 2029, and then Oklahoma goes to Lincoln again in 2030. Okay. Got it. So so in eight years, eight, seven, eight years, if you want to count this season, um, I will 100% be going back to Lincoln. All right. Let's close this thing up with an H and eight six-pack. We're going to go top six here um, based off of this week. Who are your playoff teams and your first two out? All righty. So really not a lot changed from last week. Um, I've got Georgia at number one. I've still got Ohio State sitting at number two. Uh, Bama number three. 
I do have a little bit of shakeup here. Instead of Clemson, I have Michigan, the old meat chicken, sitting at number four. I've got Oklahoma moved up to number five. And I've got Clemson moved down to six. Um, my first two out after Clemson um, would be USC because Lincoln Riley's got that offense just bowling over there. Uh, Grinch is still not doing a whole lot on defense, but that offense is cooking. And then number eight, I've got the University of Kentucky, the fighting Mark Stoops is out there. So what do you got? Well, apparently you can see my screen and just decided to copy <laughs> me because you weren't well prepared for this. <laughs> nope. Because I have, I can't see nothing. I have Georgia one, Ohio State two, Alabama three, Michigan four, Oklahoma five, and Clemson six. Wow! And my sixth team was almost USC, meaning that you and I had the top seven the same. Very, uh, very interesting chalk there. I guess is that's what we're going to call it. But please tell me you have Kansas at number eight. Oh, sure, absolutely. Put 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 rank Kansas, you cowards. Rank them. It's time. Um, but anyways, that's going to do it for us. Thank you for listening to the hecklers and hot takes podcast. We will have a preview for you guys on Wednesday night. We will have Joey back for that. So look forward to that and we will talk to you next time.